Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan O'Rourke, and I'm in studio with a few of my friends today. Rob McDowell, it's good to see you, Rob. Hello, Dan. It's good to be here. And Mike Tanner, Head of Communications. Good to see you, Mike. It's good to be here. And across the table from me is Pastor of St. Benedict Parish, author of Divine Renovation Apprentice, Father Simon Lobo. Good to see you, Father Simon. Hello, hello. So, guys, today I wanted to have a, have a uh, I wanted us, pardon me, to have a conversation about how mission and money are tied together. To, I can speak, I promise. How are money and mission tied together? Because one of the things we challenge people to do is to embrace a missional identity. But how is that tied to challenging people to to have a, a an identity of giving? I think it's it's combined. A you know you use finances to advance the mission. But I think you advance the mission with discipleship, and a key part of discipleship is helping people learn to become generous with their finances. You know, I think at, at the root of what God wants for us, and if you go back to Galatians 5, it talks about you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that. But I think part of what, what happens in us as disciples is that is when we grow in our generosity, it helps shift our trust in a practical way to recognize that things come from Jesus and Part of what we get out of that is we get a sense of peace and a sense of trust because, you know, a lot of times we have the fear of giving and we're concerned about it. But as a disciple, when I recognize my identity is in, in Christ and I'm trusting him and I take the step of faith to give my finances over to him, that sense of security that I want to get by holding on to my money all of a sudden comes to us through Jesus Christ in a way that until you put yourself in that place, you're never going to fully experience Oh, well, that's... Um, <laughs> I think we're done here. Uh, yeah, I feel good with that. <laughs> well, we should have ended with the question rather than started with the question, because I think that's a powerful statement in terms of, of how we understand our, our identity in Jesus relative to um, to our, our giving. Help me understand what you see in terms of the, the, the tension that might exist between materialism and spiritualism. I, I think, um, you know, personally, I, I always find it interesting when we start to look at how much we give and then how much we we spend on things that just literally mean nothing and the amount we're willing to spend on things that mean less than nothing mm. um you know and then not being willing to give ourselves over you know we we do a lot in half measures um we do a lot of saying well i'll do a little bit of this or i'll do a little bit of that and when we start to commit fully and we start to recognize that that the value in giving and the value of what we're able to both give to the church, but also receive as a, as a gift, as being part of that, that community um, is something of value, is something that's important. But, I, you know, I think of the things that we spend money on on a, on a regular basis and not suggesting that I don't spend money on these things, not like anything like that. I certainly do. But then I start to think about, like, why am I willing to, to do that, but I'm, I'm not always mm-hmm. willing to to give in a way that matters is, yeah. um, it's challenging. You know, I went through my own, my own journey, not, not too long ago. My wife didn't like my journey though. I went on my journey alone without <laughs> my wife. That's a dangerous thing to do for those of us who have spouses. Uh, to, it's a good idea to bring your spouse along when you go on, on, on journeys. But, uh, you know, I recognized for me that, um, I don't, I, I don't felt, I don't feel like I was struggling with materialism, but I was struggling with the fact that there was like increasingly a lot of stuff mm. in my life. Mm. Like there was just a lot of stuff and I was felt I was feeling like a bit closed in by the amount of, of stuff and so I started to look at, at minimalism and, and thought okay well what, what are some of the things in my life that I can get rid of because I'm feeling like my life is cluttered and and with a cluttered life it's hard for me to pay attention to the things that are actually important 
And that was the, that was the tension I started to feel in, in my home and in, in just the way I was approaching my own life. I, I can think back early in my marriage, my my wife would would absolutely accuse me, and, and rightfully so, if I if I if I'm willing to admit my various faults, uh, rightly so, of like spending big money on on like something big, which is true. I would often like I'd be inclined to buy something really cool and awesome, and honestly, it was always cool and awesome, um, but not always wise in terms of you know I probably didn't need that cool awesome thing. Uh, later in life, uh, later in life, I'm really old now. Uh, as I've aged, <laughs> I, I've 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 let go of a lot of that pattern that used to be part of of who I was. Um, but I've still got the stuff from when I used to be that guy. And mm. so it's been an interesting journey to say, okay, how do I get rid of that stuff and make more room for the things that truly matter? Well, I think uh, to the point of matter and spirit, there is, there is such an integral link. And I and I think back to even the ancient Greeks and then some of those early heresies in those first few centuries of the church, a lot of it was this trying to separate out one from the other, the physical from the spiritual, uh, matter from spirit. A lot of times it, it was seeing matter or the physical as evil and the spiritual as good. And so let's get, let's eliminate the evil and, and let's focus on, on the good. And I think truly um, a healthy way of approaching it is to see, no, God has created and God himself became flesh. He took on matter and the physical and he's come to redeem all, everything. And so even things, uh, what, what, what is important is not whether or not um, <clears throat> we have things or, or even have wealth or have accumulated a certain amount of things. W- what's important is what do, do we own things or do they own us? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what you're describing is you, you felt something on the inside because of things that you had on the outside. And and that was actually having an impact on your spiritual life. Uh, and and that's where God is saying you got to make a choice between God or or money, God or mammon. And he's essentially he's saying, you, uh, I mean, use these things to the degree that ultimately they they lead you to your truest home. You know, it's funny, as, as you say that, There's, I'm, I tend to be a guy of extremes. Uh, so you, some of you might know this, uh, that, that work with me. <laughs> really? So I'm like all in, all out, right? Nope. And no, didn't anyway, so I, I am a guy of extremes, which is why I, I, when, I, when I had some of those tensions in my own mm. discernment, I'm like, okay, Let's get rid of everything. Right. I don't need anything. Like, yeah. you know, the, the mattress on the floor, I will be fine. Uh, so this is why the, the journey I took alone without my wife, probably not the healthiest in terms of, of, of our relationship and the way that, you know, she wanted to experience life because she likes, you know, having uh, more than a mattress on the floor. And uh, and so there, there is that, that that recognition that we want two different styles of life as I as I go to my my extreme in terms of, of, of letting go. Uh, now, I imagine, though, Father Simon, you're saying that there's a... It's not uh, the extreme is is not just not necessary, but it might actually not even be helpful mm-hmm. because you know the, the matter in of itself, stuff in, in and of itself, is not not evil. It's 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 the notion of how do we balance those things in our lives. I think Saint Ignatius talked about this uh, to use things to the degree that they help us in our relationship with God, and to the degree that something is preventing me in my relationship with God, then to to be honest about that and. And limit it or, or remove it. And so he's not saying get rid of everything. <laughs> you can't use anything. Just you know, go live in the wilderness. No. But he's saying, be be brutally honest about is this thing actually helping me mm-hmm. in some way, or does it become a distraction? Or the famous story about Francis of Assisi, who somebody gave him a, a basket because he was making this long journey and carrying these books with him, and they're like, hey, here's this basket. 
And it's just a very simple, basic thing. But he put his books in it, and he's walking to this cave where he was praying. And uh, and very quickly, he thought to himself, uh, man, this is a great basket. <laughs> and that started to occupy his thought life and his prayer life. And pretty soon, he wasn't focused on God anymore. He was focused on the basket. Right. And when he when he got honest about that, he took the basket, threw it in the fire, and continued to carry his books in his arm. And b- because that's the the power that material things can have over us and our our, our whole life. Mm. That probably never happens with an iPhone, though. Only baskets. <laughs> <laughs> baskets are the problem. Yeah, I don't have a basket. I have an Xbox and an iPhone, so I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of these baskets. It was a first-generation okay. basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basket. Basket one. Basket one. <laughs> so we've talked about some of the, the hazards and risks of, of stuff, but we're called to be missional disciples. And as missional disciples, what kind of relationship should we have with, with, with money? Well, I mean, you you go back to the early church and you look at their generosity, you know, and uh, how their generosity influenced the movement of the church, you know, in the first few years even of the church, you know, that the people were willing to sell property and, you know, they brought their brought the money and laid it at the disciples' feet, right? And that was a that was a key piece, you know. So I, I think, you know, having a generous spirit and understanding that we're holding our finances loosely for the purpose of God and the mission of the church, I think is an important thing for us to maintain. Hmm. I think surrender is building on that point is such a, a key element to the spiritual life in general. <clears throat> and so for anybody who's trying to follow Jesus as a disciple, that, that word surrender. And so um, have I surrendered my, my, my everything, my, my person, but that includes uh, my intellect, my education, my relationships, uh, my stuff, uh, my bank account, you know, have I actually, am I living in a way that that's surrendered? I, I loved, I think it was Matt Marr, the, the great uh, Catholic musician, worship leader. I remember being at a concert that he gave years ago, and he talked about how we're called in this life to hold things with an, with an open hand. Like if, if, if I'm actually holding to this thing like this, that's not actually godly. That's not the way. He's, he's calling us to, to hold things open-handed and that, you know, sometimes they get taken away. Sometimes we choose to give them away generously, uh, but, but it's, not, it's not devastating if, if, if I don't have that, that thing. And, and I think that open-handedness in, in all aspects of our, of, of our life is, is so key. And as I say, surrender is a beautiful way to, to, to grow in that. I think it's it's interesting when you, I suddenly add this sort of thought as you're saying it. I, I mean, I'm thinking, open-handed is is to give, but it, it's also to receive. You know, mm-hmm. I I, oh, I I hold my hand open to give, and then I go up and receive the Eucharist. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm given so much mm-hmm. by my church and and through my faith that 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 constant idea of like my hands are open is such an interesting way of looking at it because it's it is about giving. But now I get to have faith that I will have what I need in my hands to be able to do the work that I need to do or, or to live the life that I need to live. Um, yeah. You know, practically speaking, I think, you know, different people are, approach this differently, but uh, I, and this is not like virtue signaling or whatever, but, <laughs> but I find it fairly easy to be generous. I think that that's maybe something modeled for me by my parents or, or, or others, other priests, but but sometimes it's harder to receive. And I just love the point that you made there, Mike, because um, there's been moments where I felt convicted uh, that 
in my own life. Recently, we we did a, a giving series at the parish in the, in the last year, and I was calling people to tithe, to take something that really I was inspired on by listening to this podcast. I'm a huge fan, by the way, of the DR podcast. So I have to say I follow, <laughs> I follow it. And AJ had said something about this 90-day challenge and uh, 90-day tithing challenge, calling his people to that. And so I was like, yeah, let's do that at St. Benedict. And we talked about it, like, how do we make this happen, whatever. And then I realized, wait a minute, if I'm going to call others to that in my own personal journey with the Lord, like, I need to to tithe to St. Benedict. Now, I give generously to other things, including my own religious communities. So, uh, so I'm giving well beyond, beyond that 10%. And I, I thought, I'm covered. <laughs> but it's like, oh, wait, maybe the Lord is asking more of me. And there's a bit of wrestling in my own heart over that. And, and I finally, I was like, okay, I just got to do it. And so, so I made the choice that I was going to, going to start tithing to the parish. And, uh, no sooner had I done that, within a few weeks' time, somebody came up to me and gave me this gift out of the blue. And it was almost dollar for dollar the equivalence of the extra that I was giving now to the parish to, to cover the rest of the year or something like that. Like it was just mm-hmm. one of those moments where here I am. Yeah, I'm trying to be generous, but the famous expression, you can never outdo the Lord in generosity. I'm getting goosebumps as I'm sharing this, that... that that open-headedness, mm. and sometimes it's even hard to receive, and, and just to, to, to be grateful, say, thank you, Lord. Yeah, ultimately, he's got the whole thing figured out. Uh, I love quoting a scripture passage that uh, Father Bob Bedard, the founder of the Companions, often quoted uh, from Habakkuk, or is it Haggai? Rob, well, it's, maybe Haggai. it's Haggai. Haggai, thank you. Mine is the gold, and mine is the silver, saith the Lord. Definitely Haggai. Yeah, you you read the book of Haggai. I've read you? it like seven times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, you can do that right now before the end of the podcast. It's a very short book. <laughs> I think what I, I think from a practical standpoint, because you asked how it affects us as uh, being on mission, it, it's the idea being on mission is going to require a level of trust. You know, is God going to come through? Is God going to be there? Right. And one of the most practical ways that we can grow in our trust for God in all areas is to give generously of our finances. And realize that our needs are still met, you know. And so, when you have that, and it's kind of you know in your tool belt, so to speak, when you when you can draw on that, trusting God in other areas, you know, mm. might still be challenging, but it's going to be easier uh, to say, you know, what God's been faithful to me. And I think one of the one of the most practical ways that we'll know that God's been faithful to us is when we take this leave of faith and become generous with our finances, and realize that God, you know, we don't go without God's goal is not for us to necessarily to go without right Mm -hmm. and so so as we build that trust i think that increases our ability to be on mission for jesus i want to um get your your thoughts on something comes out of uh, proverbs 3 uh god wants our first fruits and not our leftovers help me understand what, what what exactly do you think god's asking us and calling us to do and how should we live that out I just, I just think of the number of times when, when the, you know, the, the collection's coming around and you just see people kind of going, what do I have? Like, what, what do I, what do I happen to have in my, in my pocket? We don't, we don't always plan giving in terms of, we sort of think of it in terms of what do I have right at this very second that I could give? And uh, there's a certain generosity in that, but also the idea of 
I, I probably came not thinking I was going to give per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give whatever I have left after I've got all the things I really want to, to take care of. And you see that sort of mad scramble of like, you know, they're almost past me. I have to get something out, uh, whatever this is. And I think, I think over time you've also had, um, you know, a bit of, uh, issue with like how you appeared to the other people in the parish in terms of like, well, they see me not giving or they see me giving. And that's been really awkward for me as we've switched to some digital giving because you have people who are like, well, I, I actually, I give lots. You've just never seen me put anything in the basket because I'm donating through a different means. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's changed the way we see things that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's needs to, people need to change their perspective on understanding. Like I, just because I didn't see you give here doesn't mean I didn't give. And also that it's also none of my business what you give, but people sometimes have a struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for me, it's, it's always been that idea of as I'm preparing for to go to church, am I preparing to give or am I giving whatever I happen to have when it comes up? Is, is that part of the process of me going to church? And I think for a lot of people, it's, it's not necessarily. It's a very simple thing for, for people listening or watching uh, the at St. Benedict, we have these little cards that yep. people can take and put in the basket that's essentially say I'm giving in some digital way. Yeah. I'm still giving and which which I think is is important and, and it's good for people to know that that uh, you're not just a freeloader mm-hmm. or something right. that no that you've chosen to give. And mm-hmm. but I I've I've also on to your question, Dan I've heard that we can use money for a few basic things, uh, either to spend or to save or to give. Or others have said, you know, to, to spend or to, to, for things for fun or to invest or to be generous. But that spend, save, give, like essentially when we're talking about first fruits, we're saying so many of us, I think, look at our bills and the things that I need and maybe some of the things I want, uh, what am I going to spend all that, my disposable money, my income on? And then, oh yeah, I should probably be thinking about the future and putting a bit away uh, rainy day fund or retirement, whatever. So I'm saving some. And then it's that sense of, okay, well, what's left over that I could give generously that maybe wouldn't hurt too much. And, and, and I, wonder if we reorder that practically because again it's a biblical principle of mm-hmm. giving god the first fruits not the leftovers if if a shepherd had had uh sheep if a ewe gave birth to the first lamb it was okay i'm going to give this first first healthy lamb back to god in sacrifice with and i don't know is this lamb going to have any other uh, or this, you gonna have any other lamb chops? I don't know, but uh, I'm I'm hoping for that. And he doesn't wait till he gets ten lambs and then decides, well, where's the which is the runt of the 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 pack here that I'm gonna, <laughs> right. you know? But in the same way, so this spend, save, give. If we flip the order and say, well, first I'm gonna decide intentionally what am I gonna give, uh, how much should I save, and then uh, where can I spend. Uh, that changes the conversation, mm-hmm. and that really becomes an issue of yes, I am giving God my first fruits. Uh, but Father Simon, one of the things you must encounter uh, at St. Benedict Parish, but I suspect people are encountering this all over the world, is people saying, "Look, you, your church doesn't need any more money. You don't need any of my money." What do you say to someone, a parishioner who who, who has that sort of attitude? Well, uh, I think there's appearances for sure that that the church is wealthy if an 
other times Father James has talked about that, that the church is filthy rich. And, and, and so we do have a bit of a PR problem. We're, we're not rolling in it. But I, th- but I think the fact of the matter is uh, people who are adults, they understand that things cost money. <laughs> and people who are intelligent understand that to have quality, that, that things don't come for free. So, th- so there's that. But, but also, I think there's a sense of, do we actually have a growth mindset or not? Do we really believe that the church can grow and have an impact on the world? And if we do, how are we going to invest in that? Or do we just kind of say, well, yeah, the church is fine the way it is. It doesn't seem to need any more money. And it's relatively, uh, you said, Mike, it seems like it's not falling apart. That's good enough for me. Well, uh, then, yeah, I guess it seems, I mean, there's still basic costs just to maintain the basic, but we're talking about moving from maintenance to mission. Uh, I think that a conversion needs to happen to say, do I actually believe that the church, our own parish, but the church as a whole can grow and that God wants it to grow, uh, that it's part of his plan that more and more people would come into relationship with him. And if that's the case, yes, we have to grow our giving and grow our our funds so that we can reach more. I think, again, part of that might take you away from your question a little bit is when people ask that question, church seems to have lots of money, why should I give? Well, hypothetically speaking, even if the church doesn't have a need for your giving, you do. And you need to give because well you need to give, right? And so, you know, in and of itself, it begins. I don't give primarily because the church needs the money. I give because God has asked me to trust him and be faithful with my giving. And it goes to the church as a result of that. And so I think, you know, from that level, it's, you know, I, I can't grow as a disciple if I'm not giving financially, mm. generously. And I'm not going to be living in trust with who Jesus is if I'm not. So, I think fundamentally, does the church need money to to function on the missional level? I'm not sure it does, but I think the place to begin isn't so much is because because again, then it gets to the point of, well, I don't know if I if I agree with the mission, or I don't know if I'm at a church that's on mission, you know, and that and, you that's know, and point. and there's all these other justifications that we can say, well, you know, because maybe you're not at a church that's growing and reaching disciples. Well, you should give to that church. Why? Because you need to give. Uh, God's going to hold those church leaders accountable if they're not managing well in a way that they're taking the church on mission. But ultimately, God's going to hold me accountable. Did I bring it? Uh, so what do you think some context? of the things that God's uh, helping form you and all of us? What, what are some of the, 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 the characteristics God's trying to shape in us by, by calling us to give? What do, you, what do you mean exactly by characteristics like virtues or? Yeah, well, precisely that. I mean, by by challenging us to 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 give to 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 our church to be generous in that way. What are some of the uh, what are some of the fruits of that? And I don't mean the actual financial fruits. Oh well, you know, we'll be able to hire five more people, and and, and you know, the, we'll yeah. get a new stained glass window. No, no, I don't care about that stuff. But in me, as someone as a disciple, what are some of the things I, that that what are the fruits in my life that I might see if I if I embrace well, and accept that that calling? I, I think of our last uh, time we we gave a giving series that the title of it was keep the change and and essentially it's that uh when i give to rob's point it changes me <laughs> and i get to keep that change for all of eternity uh and and what are, what are the specific changes i'm more at peace i'm more free i'm more joyful i love uh what matthew kelly a famous catholic author and speaker says uh the happiest people i know are the most generous people i know there's a correlation. 
right? All that's that sense of detachment and and it's true. I've I've seen I've been around people who I, I think again of Father Bob Bedard, the founder of my community. He he just had a wonderful relationship with money. He lived fairly simply. He he had more than enough, and he was so generous to a fault. And he just had this freedom about it. I don't, I don't remember him sitting down and like budgeting to the to the penny every single. He always chose to be to be generous, and he always seemed to have enough. And I think that's a wonderful way of. There's a freedom in that. Um, I'm not I'm not against budgeting in any way, but but it it changes our perspective. And and I think that freedom and that joyfulness is is really a gift when we when we get our relationship with money right. For me, it's always it's always been about really strengthening. Um, my belief as a whole, because the idea is if I, if I truly believe, if I truly trust, then I trust that this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I trust that you're not going to leave me without by making sure that the church has. Um, and so for me, it's always been that, that big push of like, you either believe this or you don't. And, and there's a, there's a half measure that you're, you're sometimes playing with that, that you need not to. And so for me, I've, I have felt at my, my absolute most connected in some cases when I've just felt that idea of like, I trust you mm-hmm. uh, and, I'm, and I'm able to give. And so for me, that, that's, that's what it has really changed for me personally. I know a few, time, <clears throat> excuse me, a few times in my life um, when I've allowed myself to go down the path of fear around not having enough money. And one of the things that I get challenged with all the time is stepping up what I give in that season. And what that does is every time it's broken, that fear that the that that can grip me and mm-hmm. start to control me. In fact, one time I remember we were asked nicely by the United States government to leave um, <laughs> after having spent a number of years there. And um, <clears throat> from the time I left until I got another job was a couple of months. And at that point, we had two young kids. And I remember it's just, you know, and I was getting a few odd jobs here and there, painting whatever I could to, you know, kind of kind of get us by. But then, you know. We moved uh, here to Halifax. We got a place and we moved in and things were just tight, you know, all the moving expenses and getting stuff. And we didn't have enough. We, we didn't have enough in there to necessarily even buy the groceries next week. And I felt challenged by God to give that. Mm. And I remember when I did the, all the fear and the stress that I'd been experiencing up to that point, just from, and all of a sudden there was just this peace that came over. Mm. And, it, and it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't the money. You know, or it was it was it was the fact that all of a sudden I'd given Jesus the control in that that moment, and I said, He's got us in this. Mm. And you know, kind of what you shared earlier, uh, a lump sum of money came out of the blue uh, that we weren't even fully aware of, and just there it was, and mm. and it got us by. And, and God's always met us in every season uh, that we've gone through when we've gone through challenging financial times. But it's typically Him saying, "I'm here." Trust me, and the act of trusting is me saying, "Okay, here you go." Um, I had a father that used to do that in business. Um, he was a businessman and did you know fairly well, but he wasn't independently wealthy or anything. And so, at different times, uh, the business would be slow, and he had you know ten, twelve guys that he was trying to keep employed and all that sort of stuff. And he had a secretary who was uh, who was a Christian. And uh, she'd say, Wiley, I think it's time that you need up your giving. She'd say, yeah, okay. And he'd tell her to send <laughs> off money, and a few days later, business would show up. Wow. <laughs> that's you amazing. Know? And so, so I think it's, that's, what, that's what God's inviting us into, mm. things like that that say, I'm here, I have you. 
What I love about this conversation is it, it, it expresses so clearly that our missional identity is a generous identity. And I, I think, you know, for those of you who've been listening to us, I, I hope that you embrace that, that the totality of that missional identity that we all have in Christ and in our church. And so I, I'm, glad, I'm grateful you were able to come along with us today in this conversation. We look forward to being with you again. God bless. Thanks so much for listening. By joining the Divine Renovation Network, you'll be connected with priests and parishes across the whole world. You'll gain access to our ever-growing library of video resources, as well as exclusive access to live discussions, courses, and conference opportunities. Visit divinerenovation.tv for more details. Next week on the podcast. This is a challenge. What did Jesus say? If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. This is the gentle Jesus. Right. This is, yeah, this is your hippie oh, Jesus. So when Jesus says this, this is about as tough as you can get. 